Hello, everybody. I'm um, sitting here early, early Saturday morning. Everything is still dark all around me. Um, too dark to go do chores quite yet. So I have a little mushroom coffee brew here sitting beside me that I will try not to make too noisy when I slurp at it. Um, and I thought I would tackle the rest of the questions that I got and this should be able to, I think there's only a couple more, so should be able to get through those today and then maybe we can do this again sometime or if you guys like it or maybe find a different way to talk together, <clears throat> which I'm gonna do anyway um, sometime in the new year, like I mentioned on my last recording. Um, so I have to give up coffee in January. Is anyone going to do it with me? I was never a coffee drinker through my whole life, not even when I was in the military, which really that would have been a good excuse to drink coffee. I never drank it. I never drank it, um, until about, mm, I'd say eight or nine years ago, I started having a little bit. Um, I was actually at my good friend's farm working with them, my mentor and um, his family. And they gave me, uh, we were working our buns off and I was exhausted. I could not believe how exhausted I was just being out in that windy, fresh air for 12 hours a day. It was just, um, yeah, just... <laughs> really bone deep fatigue. And um, they gave me a cup of coffee one day with these great dollops of raw cream in it. <clears throat> and I had never tried coffee that way before. And it was, oh, the heavens opened up. It was so delicious. <clears throat> and that was that. I think I had another cup the next day, just little cups. And, um, you know, and then it sort of worked its way into more of a daily thing. And um, I have quit coffee for a year since that time and then started drinking coffee again. And I, um, I have figured out a way to make it as healthy as possible, which <clears throat> so for us, we drink well, obviously just organic coffee. And um, we buy this sort of low mold um, coffee that I either roast myself or there's um, a really good company here now. And so I can just blend it myself and we drink it half decaf. And it's a real challenge to find good decaf, but uh, there's a company here in Ontario for anyone that's in Canada looking for some it's um buy coffee Canada is their website and then I get all my coffee from uh giddy yo yo right now which is uh here in Canada too so um I know in the states you guys have way more companies that are doing third-party testing for molds and um, residues on your coffee but that's the only one that we have in Canada so anyways 
Yeah, so I start with the beans. We grind them in our little hand grinder. And then we make them in a siphon coffee maker. So you see, I really tried to make my feel, myself feel good about this whole process by um, assuring myself that I am drinking the highest quality coffee available. And I probably am. And this siphon coffee maker is all glass, so there's no metal in there or plastic or anything that the hot water is leaching stuff out of. Um, if you want to learn more about that, um, there's a Bodum makes a siphon coffee maker and it just makes very clean coffee. Uh, the best that we could find anyways. Um, um, but you know, and it's still coffee and it's still, uh, turning my adrenals into little raisinets. And so, yeah, I, it just, I can feel the dependency on it. And whenever I feel like I have a dependency on something, I get a little uneasy. So that's my, uh, oh, and I drink it with, uh, dried mushrooms that we make a powder out of and then sift and then stir it into the coffee. It's really delicious, but it's time to say goodbye. I, every time I say that, I prepare my husband, January, we're quitting coffee. He just gets this very sad look on his face. Very sad. Um, Anyway, so there is, um, I'll tell you my plan, because maybe he'll quit coffee with me, and we can make a pact, and then if you're doing it, I'll feel more accountable. So there's this um, product that everybody's raving about called Mud Water. It's mud and then WTR. And if I lived in the US, I could get it pretty easy, but it's like impossible to get here in Canada and it's super pricey. So I did what I always do. I looked up the ingredients and <laughs> I bought, I have some of the ingredients. So the dried mushroom powder I have, I'm sure mine is better than the one they get commercially anyways, but I mean, that's easy to get. And then, so it has the mushroom blend and then it has some organic cocoa and some chai spices. And the last thing it had, so it has one seventh the caffeine of a cup of coffee. And so the last thing it had was um, black tea powder. And then they recommend you add water to it and stir it up. But I think a French press would probably be a bit better. I'm going to do it in a French press. That's how I do most of my powdered um, beverages. But um, so there is a little bit of caffeine, but instead of the black tea powder, I'm going to use an organic fermented puer powder because our oldest daughter got into a coffee habit and it was just giving her even just drinking one cup in the morning was giving her sleep issues at night and um we're in our family all slow metabolizers of caffeine so 
you know, we're not the people that can have a cup of coffee before we go to sleep and sleep just fine, which my husband is, he just, he drinks caffeine and it just goes right through his body. And for the rest of us, it's, you know, 24 hours later, there's still caffeine trying to be worked out of our bodies. Um, so yeah. So anyways, as I was saying, our oldest daughter did, um, gave up coffee and started drinking an organic fermented puer. And she loves it. And she just drinks, now she's at the point where she just drinks a little pinch of it in water, in hot water, just to have that ritual of the, you know, sitting down in the morning and having that cozy little time with a hot beverage um, before you have to head out into the world. So um, for the my little mixture that I'm doing, for my version of this, concoction I'm using the fermented puer powder um, instead of the black tea powder so anyway you can look that up if you want to and I have no idea if it's going to be good but it sounds really good and I like the idea of having some bitter in there as well I think bitter is really important and um, you know our gallbladders love a little bitter and it that depth and the bitterness if if something if there's a coffee substitute and it's sweet it just turns me right off so anyways we'll see how that goes and let me know if you're going to join me do it no pressure at all do it okay i'm going to take a sip of my coffee now okay <clears throat> sorry if you heard me swallow um so like I said, I think there's just a couple here. Um, this question was from Kenna. She left me a beautiful compliment. Thank you, Kenna. Um, she was talking about being on, um, being in the city and sort of, um, she says, I grew up on a farm with pioneering parents and so do have within me the necessary knowledge and skills. But funny enough, as my little family and I extricate ourselves from various systems that have held us within a large city, I am somewhat at a loss for how to leave. <clears throat> Finding and paying for a plot of land to be our new soil seems insurmountable right now. And so I'm focused on extricating myself from the various systems within myself. No small task it seems now that I'm on the path. Are there any books, resources, websites that you find truth in? Hell that just delight you, give you joy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I just, first, I just want to say, like, can I think it's really, um, admirable that you are seeing that there are systems within yourself that you can be working on right now, even if your physical place isn't where you want to end up. I think that's huge. And I know that I too did that for years before we were able to get our first farm and um, we were still living in the city. I often would just, you know, <clears throat> be out in public and be looking around almost like an alien observing the things around me and how they influence me and trying to be aware of what was mine and what was placed there overlaid on top of mine and I I spent a lot of time at that time in my life just 
always making sure I had time in nature, even if it was just, you know, an hour walk on a trail in the woods and sitting down on a log and staring down at the (laughs) mushroom or um, just watching the birds or just sitting in silence and trying to be present to it. Um, That was very helpful for me and being able to mm, just start questioning the things that, that had been, I thought were mine and weren't. And I also want to say that can be a bit um, untethering to, to just have to realize that there's so much within us that maybe is not us or what is us or how do you get to who you really are? Um, Especially when around us, a lot of people are just happy to go along and it can make you feel a little strange, I think, sometimes. And the, it, it can be a little lonely. Um, I remember then, too, like a lot of times, and I might have mentioned this before, but I spent such a huge amount of my time, like my free time anyways, or the time when, you know, the kids and I would go to the library and I would, whatever the topic was that I was, passionate about would go and load up my arms with these books and then sit on the floor with them while they were reading their kid books and I'd just be reading you know all these old books from a time that offered a life that felt so much more authentic to me than the one that was around me and it was at that time as well that I was um, volunteering on farms a lot and that wasn't always rewarding either. And I've mentioned this before as well, like a lot of the time and the volunteering and that you you do learning about these things is a, a lot of that learning is the learning of what you don't want. And that goes for everything in life, even like relationships. I think that's the whole part of dating that people miss. Like I've noticed now that people date with this, Um, intention of making it work sometimes if instead of like filtering out all the all the wieners that are out there like so many duds you're supposed to go through to find your person you know and it's the same with everything like there's we have such a fear of of failing and and what we define as failing is just bizarre like if we if something doesn't fit or doesn't work it's not a failure of course it's it's getting you closer to the thing that does and same you know with all these other things like I, I remember there'd be days I would um leave a farm and or do a course or do a workshop or whatever and just be so disheartened and not having the knowledge base to know why but just you know going with my gut that no that's not I just don't like that I don't really have much beyond that to add to the story right now other than I don't like that and that all comes like it all comes after that you know it really does 
And um, I'm so grateful for that time now that I saw such um, diverse ways of approaching things. And, um, you know, I learned that same thing through my nutrition practice. I went to school to become a nutritionist, and um, that's when our kids were quite young and I had left the military. And then I did another two years of sports nutrition um, apprenticeship with uh, someone on the West Coast of Canada. And um, I loved it. I, I always was passionate about nutrition. I loved learning about it. And then I started a private practice, and I despised it. <laughs> That's pretty um, disheartening when you've spent a good amount of money and our money was very tight back then and everything was an investment for what was to come, of course, just like it is with everybody. And then when I started doing it, I realized that there was so much involved that was... mm, beyond, you know, it wasn't going to be that I would sit down and share my knowledge with, you know, my client, and they would be illuminated and go out into the world and absorb everything I said, and their lives would be changed, and their health would be vibrant, and they would spread the good word, and um, it wasn't like that at all. (laughs) It was trying to convince people of something they didn't want to be convinced of. It always amazed me how many people paid me to be told that what they were doing was right. I think people confuse often sort of like finding that professional and they will give you the answers if you give them the dollars and they overlook all the work and commitment that they have to throw into the bargain. Um, It's bizarre. And it was very common. So I actually found um, for myself that when I worked with soldiers, which I was able to because we were still living on a military base at that time. It was just incredibly more rewarding. Um, And a lot of those soldiers were seeing me for sports nutrition. And I really like doing that. There's very tangible outcomes with that. And, you know, let's face it, a soldier is used to taking orders. I'd say, do this, do this, do this. They'd say, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And they'd go out and they'd do it. And then they'd come to me a month later and I'd see the results and they'd see the results and they'd be pumped and they would tell a friend. And so that was, but, you know, ultimately, while it was rewarding um, in the sense of, the results, it wasn't the whole picture for me. How did I, how can I start then saying, but, okay, you're doing all this, but maybe there's a better place than Costco to buy your meat. And maybe there's 
you know, maybe we can start talking about the quality of the dairy. And, and I did do that, but it just felt, um, and, and a lot of times I was met with acceptance and like people were open to what I was sharing, but it wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. And I knew that, you know, having gone through that, that really ultimately, um, more, I was meant more to, to actually be more intimately connected to the food and to the land that I was endorsing at the time. So I, I knew that wasn't going to be uh, my forever occupation. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm just very grateful to be where I am now. So that's a really long-winded way, Ken, of just saying that there was, there's so many, so many different little paths and adventures that come about when we're doing things. And I think that if we just have our sights set on that one thing, it, it um, can feel like we're failing at something else. But I'm just so grateful for even, you know, in the time when I felt so immobilized and so not where I wanted to be, um, and so really out of control with where we were going, even where we were living. You know, my husband was gone all the time. Um, and I was left alone to raise the kids, which, um, you know, everyone knows it's, it's tiring and you're moving to a new place and you don't know people and there's that whole thing. But um like you said, you know, extricating yourself from those systems, I was doing that same work at that time. And I'm just really grateful for that now that I that I did do that and that I had that time. And, you know, while I was impatient in the time, I see now that it was just, it was really a gift as we often see these things in hindsight, the, the painful things and the things that really demanded our patience or our understanding or our observation or um, and demanded us to more of us than we felt we wanted to give at the time in hindsight are, are truly gifts, really, really are. They help to bring things into our lives that wouldn't be there with just ease and things that are handed to us. So anyway... Bravo, Kenna. Keep going. Um, you're talking about finding and paying for a plot of land to be our new soil. <clears throat> Seems insurmountable. I kind of spoke to that already, and I I just want to say I, I we were like in that situation for a very long time too, but it's not insurmountable, really. I'm not trying to give you some little platitude. It's it's truly not insurmountable, and I would say to you to hold that piece of land in your heart and see it and smell it and feel it under your feet and do that exercise every single day. Honestly, I um, profoundly believe in that, that you are, and maybe some people will roll their eyes at this, but it is has been my life that we co-create our lives. It's not a airy-fairy idea of, you know, I'm going to dream I have a Ferrari and the Ferrari will be out there. It's not like that. But when we're in alignment with nature, with our creator, 
when with beauty and when we can drum up what it is to be in that alignment that energy goes somewhere and it it's been the case in all of my life that this has come to pass and I am a huge believer that the words that we use, um, and I'm not talking about like affirmations or anything like that. I'm just saying the words we use in our is truly create our reality and and in the way maybe that we're telling our hearts or we're telling the world what is what is so if it, if it if you're saying it's insurmountable then it is insurmountable and that's a big word to lay on yourself and i'm not criticizing you i hope it doesn't come across that way i'm just saying that there's no such thing and that i i think that it may be hard but it is it can be overcome and it can be achieved. So yeah, I get the feeling for sure. But I'm just saying that for me, um, I think a lot of what has come to pass in our lives has been a result of us being able to, to envision it, to feel it, to taste it, to feel it around us. And it continues to be that way now as well in big ways that maybe one day I will speak to. Um, and then Kenna asks about books, resources, websites that you find truth in or delight in or give joy. Um, so many of you asked about books that I think I should just do a post on books, which will be probably very bizarre because there's so many weird books that I have because I just find so many different things interesting. Um, I find I, I just am having such a hard time to pull out one or two books to say, you know, this book. Um, it would have to be a bunch of them with explanations, and I think that might be better done with writing. I think for this time, uh, and I've mentioned him before, but I think Charles Eisenstein's books are profoundly beautiful and he's really able to hold a grounded reality and then offer authentic solutions in a way that is very, very rare. Um, with people. I find there's, you know, so many authors that I kind of have to cross my eyes when they start talking about a certain topic and then, okay, I can, I can pay attention again now, or <clears throat> they have the right ideas, but then come up with just ridiculous solutions, or maybe that, just don't hold the same worldview. Not that it has to, it, it can't challenge your worldview, but I think, you know, there, as an example, so I can't, I won't accept that the only solution to something is, is going to come from a government or a system. 
So that's what I'm talking about. If, if there's a problem and then, you know, the answer is this is how we, this is how the governments need to fix this problem. I like to, I like to learn about things on a more intimate level and on a more empowering in, in, in a way that empowers people at ground level within their communities, within, you know, the the local area around them to be able to interact or to, to be able to have some sort of profound effect, because I think that's the way that so much is solved. And and Charles very much has that um, outlook as well. Also, He's just such a beautiful writer, and every time I read his his writings, I I just feel like very affirmed and connected, really connected. And he's truly just one of the most gifted philosophers of our time. So I'll just put that one out there for now. If any of you haven't read his work, I. I think that now is a great time as well. And he also has a newsletter on Substack. That's that's pretty great. So I'm going to drink some water and try and pull this microphone away from my face. Sorry. Um, I think that's about it for that one. And then there's some more, more questions about books. So like I said, I'll sit down and do a whole books. Um, Janine's asking about um, pictures and a day in the life type thing, Um, comments about cow harvesting. I'll just stop there for a second. So, yeah, um, I'll just give you a little verbal day in the life, but I could do a post on that too and just take a bunch of pictures. That might be a little more fun to do. Mm. Sorry, I keep drinking. Um, So a day in the life. Well, we wake up at four and the whole world is still sleeping. And we sit down, start the fire because, okay, so a day in the life today looks very different than a day in the life in the summer. So I'll just tell you today for middle of December, um, wake up early, have a coffee, which we all know is coming to an end. And we sit down together, my husband and I, and we read. And um, <clears throat> after, oh, we start a fire, start the fire. Uh, sometimes fires, if once it gets really cold, we put the wood cook stove on first thing in the morning. And then there's a second fireplace in a different room. Um, and so we light our beeswax candles and sit down on a old sofa that's covered in sheepskins and read. And then um, after that, we discuss our day and the things that we each need to do. And um, I'll just give you the last couple days kind of thing. 
And then from there, we um, get dressed, go do chores and morning chores now because it's winter time are really easy, much easier than summer chores, much easier than summer chores. It's everything slows down in the winter. And so, you know, instead of going out every morning and setting up a new pasture with electric fence and collapsing the old pasture, which can take a long time, that's for the cows. Um, they're all up in the barnyard now. So they're just eating hay. And so, you know, we may have to give them a new bale of hay if they've eaten through their hay um, and give them their water, give the all the ducks and the geese as well have been brought up into the barnyard area. And so we have um, a house that the chickens live in all year round. They go there at night and then in the day they're just out um, foraging on their own. But the house has a second half to it and it's just divided by a door. So we open that up so it's a lot bigger and then now the ducks, the turkeys, the geese, the chickens all live together. You may have heard that can't happen. I don't know what kind of sick farm you have to have for that not to happen. I know there's a disease that can go through them, but our animals aren't sick. And we do this every year and have never, ever had an issue. So anyways, that's just one little tidbit to throw in there. Um, so we do all those chores, feed everyone, feed the barn cats, make sure everyone has fresh water, break ice on water if it's really cold. After that, um, the dogs and I go for an hour-long walk in the woods. And um, often barn cats follow. And then after that, um, we have a gym in our in our. I'll say garage, but it's more like a big outbuilding. It's also where we have our little butcher shop and our meat hanging area and all our freezers are in there. It's like the central hub of our farm. Um, and so we'll go do a little workout and weightlifting specifically, which is very important, everybody. I hope you have some sort of weight-bearing exercise, especially as we get older and sarcopenia sets in, which is the wasting of our muscle tissue, which is literally the driver of life or the declining of life. You can't get away with not, without uh, weight-bearing exercise, truly. You need it. You have to be doing it. If you're not doing it now, start doing it today. The end. Uh, from there, we go and have breakfast. So we eat breakfast between 11 and 12. We eat two meals a day. And um, breakfast is just a meal. It, there's nothing special about it as far as the what makes it up. So it can just be, I mean, if we had leftover burgers from the day before it would be leftover burgers with a couple eggs on top with some maybe a little bit of fermented veg maybe not cup of bone broth um you know whatever you would normally eat it can it, it's that and then um the afternoon is usually on extra projects that we have around so right now there's a big hay barn that my husband built 
he milled all the wood for it himself and built it all himself. It was a huge project and he's just doing some of the trim around that right now. Um, and if uh, I have a bunch of meals to make, if he's going somewhere for a couple days for work, then I will get a couple days worth of meals ready. Um, the last couple days I've been doing some winter work in the garden. It, whatever that sort of afternoon project is, stuff that has to get done. And then we eat supper early. We eat supper at four because we go to bed very early. And then evenings, and it depends, like in summertime, like I said, evenings, there's just so much to do in the summer. Everything is growing and bursting and you're constantly trying to keep up with it. So in the summer, we would actually head back outside after that. But um, right now, um, after supper, we usually play a game where we both love crib. <laughs> and um or do some sort of craft um like my rug cooking i like doing rug cooking and he'll read or we both read or um it's just sort of slow quiet stuff around the house and then um we go to sleep at 7 30 uh, because we wake up so early so um and then you know we fit in there all sorts of other things and it just depends on the day. There's no like hard and fast rule. Like we also, um, you know, we use the sauna we need, um, in the winter, we have a full spectrum light bed that stands up on the back of our door, which I bought from Dr. Mercola back in the day, but then the FDA told him he can't sell light therapy devices because, they're so dangerous um but uh i think you can still get them from other places and then just get the full spectrum bulbs um but i don't know that's we've had ours for 10 years so um we have to do that here because i just do not absorb vitamin d through oral therapy which I tried with my doctor for a long time, and I think that might be one of the ramifications of just the damage that was done um, with having chronic Lyme disease, which I'm always controlling. I don't think it ever goes away, but I'm good now. Um, and then cold baths, yes. And in fact, my husband is building me the coolest thing. It's okay, it's a hot tub run by wood heat and um it's in a cow trough like the big metal um waters so him and his friend um each bought one and they're joining forces to build the platform and stuff here and then they're going to do one in at his friend's cottage as well so that the cool thing about that is I can do um, have a hot tub when it's minus 30 outside, but then the next morning after the water starts getting cold is I would just break the surface ice and then do my cold plunge in the same thing. Okay, that's the plan. And if you have not done cold plunges, maybe you should add that to your January list. It is an incredible, um, should I say therapy, modality. 
it's incredible for your mood. Holy Moses, it just the endorphins that rush through your body. You should try it. Wim Hof, try listen to some of the stuff he has or get his book or do his chorus. I don't know. I didn't do it, but <clears throat> I probably should so I get the breathing part right too. Um, so yeah, I think that there's like from there, uh, there's quite a few people asked for the book recommendations. Um, and I know I'll just say this too about <clears throat> recipe books is I have been collecting recipe books for probably, I don't know, my whole 30 years, most of my adult life. <clears throat> and, um, that's through like, I love used bookstores, like love them. And the town that's nearest to us has some gorgeous limestone buildings with like these used books that are like crammed into every corner and falling down. And you have to go up these little stairs and turn a corner. Your shoulders can barely squeeze through and try and see what the books are at the top and the books are at the bottom. And it's just incredible. And the, guy that works there you can give him any topic and he just like starts running around like this little mouse trying to oh yes I know I have one book on this and it can be the most obscure thing and his he's encyclopedic his mind is just incredible and so a lot of the stuff that I find these little treasures it could be like in this book that's just has one thing in it that I love and I would get the book for that and I think that's why a lot of my books are so meaningful to me um not because and I you know so it's hard to make that recommendation like about it's not just how obscure it is or maybe maybe it's not even in print anymore but it's that well I may not <laughs> really jive with most of it but oh my goodness look what this paragraph says or something something like that so I always kind of, I, I hesitate when people ask me for book recommendations because of that, not because I don't want to share anything. Um, just because I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And same with cookbooks. Like I have these cookbooks that so much of the stuff in them, I'm like, oh boy, this, like who would ever get the cockles of 16 hairs and you know, pull the hair out on the 13th day of the full moon cycle. And I mean, it, it's just not even usable, but I just, I love it. I love having that type of history in my hands. And so they're treasures to me for maybe treasures more than useful in some ways. But I don't know, you guys can tell me what you think of that. And if it's still useful, I could maybe write things out or tell you why I like them or something. I'm not sure. Um, so um, just the last couple of questions here, I'm going to try and amalgamate them a bit about sort of the herbs that I used. Um, I, I recommend like all of you, if you're not familiar with, herbs is maybe doing a herbal walk or something <clears throat> with a herbalist in your area so you can identify the plants around you and just get to know them like just get to know one plant at a time and what it can do for you 
and you know how it grows and um i think i think with plant medicines we have to try and avoid that allopathic mindset of um use mullen for lungs like it's just it's not a very rich relationship to do that and i think one of the real gifts of learning the medicines around you and how you can work with them is to move beyond that allopathic model and to understand sort of the the richness of the plant to observe the plant to see all the different ways that it works in your body and the different forms it takes and so I think that's why just starting with one plant is um, really beneficial. And um, like for us, we have, I'm constantly learning. I would never, ever assume or call myself a, a teacher or anything. I'm just, I'm still learning. And these are the medicines that we used when our children was, were small up until today they use them on their own um, and we haven't had to use pharmaceutical medications not that if there was some emergency or something you know we would we wouldn't but we just haven't had to and so i would say you know starting off learning a plant or two around you is a good way to start and going on herbal walks if they're available where you are, maybe getting a book that just starts with one or two or three plants and really talks about um, the totality of the plant and and learning about it. Um, those are all good ways to start. Um, and, you know, if you're looking for stuff to sort of help with just boosting your health in different ways, um, I think I think it's fair to just rely on an, a, a really trusted herbalist to help you to do that um, instead of feeling like you have to take that all on yourself. Like for us too, we used homeopathy and um, I had a homeopath that really guided me when our <clears throat> my first daughter was young, like a baby. And she, um, I worked with this homeopath at that time. And eventually, I ended up taking courses through her and I became proficient enough that I felt that I could sort of deal with the day to day stuff. But um, I also still called on her regularly if I not regularly, but I mean, when things came up. Um, And I I think that's good. I think we should be reliant on other people's expertise and we should appreciate the time and the effort and the how much they have put of themselves into learning from things. And we should be able to be students sometimes too, you know, not always teacher and not feeling like we have to know everything. I think that we should, that's, it's, that's kind of a ridiculous way to be and it overburdens us for nothing. So um anyway i hope that was a little bit useful um so yeah you know uh i'll I'll just say here too one other thing because i think a lot of people don't know about it but um one of the things for our family that has been profoundly helpful um i was just talking about herbs and 
homeopathics and we do use homeopathics as well on our animals. Um, and, um, I've not had to medicate a, a single animal here. I don't have issues, health issues in that way. Um, but that comes with how they live in their diet as well. Just, just like us. Um, but one of the things emotionally, and um, I'm just going to give this over to you as my last comment has been um, flower essences for us. And I, I'm sure many of you have heard of like Bach flower remedies, maybe rescue remedy. That's a really common one, um, which are fine. They're great. Um, they're sort of like a, a general flower essence um, for different conditions. Like I think you can look up on their chart, you know, anxiety and it'll give you two different remedies to take or whatever. So they're not very specific, but our, um, middle daughter, um, Ella, who is in acupuncture school right now, traditional Chinese medicine school. She, um, a few years ago did, uh, whole program on flower essence um, therapies and um, it was a pretty intense program but since she's done that she's uh, been working on the side as a flower essence practitioner and um, I'm just telling you this because for me the flower essence therapies as customized by a flower essence practitioner who has really good training, not a weekend course, but someone who's really, you know, spent a couple years learning about them, has apprenticed underneath someone who's very skilled in them, has been the most profound therapy I've done on an emotional level. And I genuinely mean that. And I'm not trying to, uh, I don't, um, drum up business for my daughter she doesn't need any and she's in school full-time so she's full up anyways but finding someone um, in your area if you have some emotional stuff to do and who doesn't um, honestly has been I have the, the most profound thing I have done on an emotional level and I mean that as far as oh brother I mean you know, doing courses, reading books, doing workshops, working with like emotional release techniques, doing tapping, doing um, uh, therapy, doing different types of therapy, doing like body work, doing um, cranial sacral therapy, doing um, movement therapies to release emotions. I mean, so many things. And out of anything I have ever done, these flower essences only in the hands of someone who knows how to use them and the continued use of them. Like I, I'm one of those people. I think a lot of us are where I'll, I'll use something for a bit and it kind of fizzles out. But when I was very committed to them and I think because it was my daughter too, I felt like it was a commitment to her efforts. So I had, you know, that was a bit of a, driver as well for me to to be really committed to the medicines that she was making me these flower essence therapies um it i would say has been the it has most definitely been the biggest healing i have experienced since 
in all of my years. So I'm just going to give that to y'all. And <laughs> really, um, you know, I didn't have a smooth upbringing either, like many of you have have had, but we've all had things. And um, when I take these flower essence therapies, and I've been taking them for a few years now, and so the way it works is, you know, I'll do a, a session with her and we'll talk about where I'm at and what's changed. And we do that maybe every six to eight weeks and then I get a new remedy. And so it's just sort of layers and, and when things come up, it, it can be deeper layers or it can be something new that's happened or whatever it is. And um, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful modality of a healing modality it it's so gentle and it, it's like it's like these tinctures sort of go into the body and shine light in dark corners and that's the best way I can describe it it's just a warmth and a light and um it's a release and a centering and I'm sure, sure that I couldn't say that about every time, like every time it can be something a little bit different, but many times and overall. And so anyways, okay, that's enough talk about that. But I really, really would say if, if you have some emotional stuff that you're working through, um, the, the flower essence, uh, flower essences, and the flower essence therapies are just profoundly powerful in a very quiet and loving way. I, that's the best way I can describe it. Also, there has been times where um, there's this bath therapy, this intensive bath therapy that can go along with the flower essences uh, that my daughters had me do, and holy smokes the stuff that comes up and bubbles out while you're doing that just all this sort of like contained sadness or anguish that we squeeze into little corners of ourselves that that gets released is is really powerful and beautiful too so okay I'll stop talking about that now I think I've mostly gotten through most of the questions um in a in a general way um but like I said, we'll do something else too. We'll maybe do this again if you want to, or we could come up. You guys let me know what you think, how, how you'd like to interact or communicate going forward. And I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day or night or whenever you're listening to this. I'm going to go get dressed in my wool clothes and big ass boots and go check on that chicken that I posted on Instagram last week that had a broken leg and the other birds had pecked her head and she is a trooper that bird she is doing so well and I think today may be the day she comes out of quarantine and goes and hangs out with her friends again so it's a good day all right bye